Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to Emotional Savvy. It's always a great idea to get our skills in order to recognize what's not working for us and get some skills, some insights and support to make that all better. And today we're talking on the show about speaking up, actually letting our voice be heard and ways that we can do that. And there's much more about these things. Remember, you can always listen to all the episodes of Emotional Savvy uh, on our website at forrelationshiphelp.com. And you can get that help there too. So today I want to open the show by talking about what might be stopping you from actually speaking up when something happens. Because I'm sure you've had that experience. I certainly have, where... You walk away from something and about half an hour later, you go, oh, wow, I wish I'd said that. Or why didn't I speak up? Why didn't I do something that really offended me or it bothered me or it wasn't right or it wasn't accurate? Why didn't I say something? So when your least favorite person in the whole world does a hit and run, they maybe deliver a one-liner that puts you down or lacerates your self-esteem or even sends your blood pressure soaring. You you just sputter a little sometimes. So I want to share a few things with you today that might help you keep the clarity. Because if, I'm going to use the pronoun he today because I don't want to go back and forth and, and confuse people. But this applies to women. It applies to men. It applies to children. It applies to teenagers. It applies to everybody. So this person sends your blood pressure shooting up and he's done it before. In fact, you could have predicted it, but he still gets to you. You're seething and he's gone. Got this scenario? I bet it's happened. So would it be satisfying and empowering to make this the last time that ever happens? Of course it would. Now, you all know that I wrote a book among many called Wrestling Rhinos, Conquering Conflict in the Wilds of Work. And I wrote that book because at the time I was doing a lot of work in corporations, but the skills in there are for everyone in every situation. So when we're thinking about this hit and run person who just shot your blood pressure up, that moment, that person, that guy that we're talking about, he's a rhino in need of wrestling. He actually probably knows that he's going to get a reaction and he won't be surprised when he gets a response. Or he very well may be because this time you deliver a response that shows no reactivity. So reactivity comes from having a body. In that moment, you feel violated, frustrated, irritated, angry, hurt, and your body reacts. It's quite simple. The next step 
is to take a long, slow breath. Inhale through your nose, release the breath slowly through your mouth, and this slows down the visceral reaction. And the good thing is it gives you a moment to think. At that moment, you may take two or three deep breaths. Ask the question while you're taking that breath, what do I want as a result of this exchange? Where do I want to be in this conversation five minutes from now? And then you can make a plan. It will keep you calm. Do you want to feel, or do you want him to feel rather, that he got you? Oh, that'd be so simple. Give him a killer look, cry, sputter, swear. He got you. But do you want him to realize that he can't treat you that way? Well, then it's time to speak up. Do you trust yourself to speak up then? Are you at a loss for words maybe while you're squirming to take that knife out of your back? Are you afraid of his reaction if you do speak? So what's stopping you from speaking up? You deserve to be treated with respect just because you breathe. You've heard me say that before. And unless you've done something so terrible that no thinking person would ever consider engaging in conversation with you, you deserve to be spoken to respectfully. But first, you have to believe that. Got it? So maybe you're an avoider. Some people will take all kinds of abuse, simply lie down, take it, and don't speak up. Now, if that's you, it's definitely time for a change. Now, maybe you were raised in an environment at home where it was a peace at all costs place. And if that's true, examine it and see if it's actually what you believe. Do you really believe you should just take everything lying down? I don't. I think people have absolutely no right to walk all over you, but they will if you let them. So it's time to stand up, brush your doormat self off and speak up. No one has the right to treat you badly. No one. And you're 100% responsible for teaching people how to treat you. So if you're not an avoider, is there any chance you're an accommodator? You might say something in your head like, I want you to like me so much that I'll just keep giving you what you want. It doesn't matter that poor old me is suffering over here. I just want you to be happy. Now, if that sounds anything like your internal conversation or your behavior, it's time to give your head a shake. You have feelings, opinions, desires, preferences, and you have the right to speak up and give them a voice. You absolutely have the right to have them considered in any relationship. So again, take another breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth, and fully take up the space you're standing on. You're about to tell the truth about what you want. So the first step in speaking up is to believe that you deserve to be treated well. Do you? Do you honestly believe that? Because you're going to take action on it. And the second step is to be willing to tell another human being two things how you feel and what you want. It's that simple. Doesn't mean they're going to listen, but we'll work on that. It's that simple. So let's go back to that hit or run fellow that was at the beginning I was talking about. So you want to respond to that person. 
that person who just said something that immediately cut you down. So you might say something like this. I feel discounted and hurt when I hear things like that. You can read more about that. It's a personal weather report statement in my book, Kaizen for Couples. There's two chapters on it. So you just say how you feel. I feel discounted and hurt when I hear things like that. And then you say what I want. And I want the one-liners sent in my direction to stop. I want to feel respected and supported. What would make me feel respected and supported is to be truly listened to and have my thoughts and feelings valued and considered. So you see, no no put-downs, no anger, no nothing. It's simply you giving that personal weather report, the PWR that I write about in Kaizen for Couples, and you put it on the table. You have said something. You have taken a step. And yes, that might be a stretch for you. But think of the effect on the one-liner rhino. He may laugh from arrogance or embarrassment. He may do a double take because the behavior is unexpected. He expected you to lie down and take it. And he may, though, in all goodness, respond with more information. What's probably going on is he doesn't have the people skills necessary to engage in a problem-solving conversation. That's really common with these hit-and-run folks. So you have to take the lead here and demonstrate what is possible, how you can communicate in a positive way. So when you say, I want the hurtful one-liners to stop, you can then add, I'm willing to sit down and figure out what the problem is and see if we need a solution. If you're willing, let's choose a time to do that. You'd be shocked and surprised, dazed and amazed that this alone may stop this behavior. You speaking up. Because some rhinos feed on doormats. So when you simply stop the food supply and speak up, everything can change. Now, of course, we have a caveat. It might not. It might accelerate, but if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to feel as though you took a confident, assertive step. You simply spoke about yourself. You didn't speak about the rhino. You didn't put anybody down. You didn't do anything you'll regret, except you did speak up. And now you're not going to regret not speaking up. So, so important. I'm always here to help you with these skills, whether you want to join a group coaching program, you want to join our new Focus on Forward membership program, whatever it is, I'm here for you. You can have a clarity call, a free conversation. Just go to forrelationshiphelp.com and click on Work with Dr. Shaler. Talk soon. Hello and welcome back to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'm here with my guest and my colleague and my friend. So this is a triple whammy this morning. So very, very excited. It happens to be morning here in sunny San Diego. And my guest is Tina Dietz. She is an award-winning and internationally acclaimed speaker. What I love about her, she is the go-to source for all things audio. She's an audiobook publisher, a podcast producer, and a content marketing expert. And it's not just because she says she has. She's been featured on media outlets, including ABC, Inc.com, Huffington Post, and Forbes. 
and her podcast, The Start Something Show, don't you love that? The Start Something Show was named by Inc. Magazine as one of the top 35 podcasts for entrepreneurs. So yay, Tina. And her company, Start Something Creative Business Solutions, connects leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts with larger audiences, resulting in expanded income and influence. And Tina, just for fun, divides her time between the U.S. and Costa Rica, where she's part of a leadership team building a conscious community called Vista Mundo, something that I'm very connected with as well. I'm very excited. And you might be wondering, why is Tina on the Relationship Help Show if she does all these things? And the connection is that sometimes when we are in difficult situations or with difficult people, we can't find our voice. So I invited Tina to come along and to have a conversation that's a little bit out of the box for her and absolutely valuable for you. So welcome to the show, Tina. Thank you, Roberta. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on the show. This is a, an extension of our personal conversation, so this is really cool to do this. Yes, and in your marketing, you talk about unleashing your voice, and that's the big deal for me. That's why I'm excited about it, because it applies to all areas of life. And if we lived in a home where we were supposed to be seen and not heard, something that many of us have have experienced, we just don't have many options, do we? No, no definitely not. And you know, so much of the work we all do in the world, I know this holds true for me, is born out of our own experiences to try to overcome or the lessons that we've learned. And, you know, all of those lovely accolades that you read are, you know, all, of course, all 100% true. But, you know, I can't tell you how many years and hours of therapy and personal development and <laughs> goes in the background of, um, of, of doing that. And it's, it's part of my mission to pay it forward. Love it. Yeah. Because when you're, when you're, you're raised in a home where at a minimum it's seen and be heard. And if I want some music from you, I'll push the button to actually being emotionally, verbally or physically, or unfortunately sexually abused, all of those things kind of go with the package. It may be just you have to be quieter, you may not be have a voice in your home, but then it can also range to you really don't have the right to take up space or draw breath. And that's really difficult when you get yourself into a difficult situation and you really want to speak up, but you're not sure that you have the right to. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's really hard, too, because then you try to please those giants, those ones who have to keep you alive, and they're, they're sometimes very difficult to please. So we really become uh, assessors. We become hypervigilant looking at, you know, are they okay today? Are they going to like me today? Is what I'm doing acceptable? Is it not? And then when do I open my mouth? So how did you learn how to open your mouth and when? Well, I kind of came out opening my mouth. And <laughs> then um, I, I, that's just part of my, my personality. So it's it's been a blessing and it's also been part of the most difficult difficulties that I've that I've had because I've always been opinionated I've always been outspoken and I've always been kind of a champion for the underdog um, and in many ways the family I grew up with 
they're being very entrepreneurial themselves was the same except there were some massive divides along the lines of gender um, with you know women not only having to be high achieving and you can do everything and uh, but you know not only do you have to go out and be super smart but you also have to be super sexy but you also have to be subservient to men Whoa, yeah, didn't she? Good times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't she just say a mouthful? And I yeah. know that many of you are nodding because that is the milieu that you were raised in is yeah. that you are an object, an object of either pleasing somebody or an object for their pleasure. Mm-hmm. And whether that is just being someone to rant at, somebody to make feel badly, you just get into that place. And that just leaves you with a host of things to go through and learn and change, which is what I do with my clients. Sounds like you've had to walk through all of that in order to have a successful career that you do have uh, in other realms. And being able to find your voice is really very important to that. It's critical to that because you have to believe that you have the right to have a voice and that's the big issue like do I have something to say does anybody want to hear it and how did you come to that place of saying okay I was born opening my mouth but when did I learn how to use it well and not to get myself in trouble I don't know if I've learned that yet (laughs) I don't know if I've really learned that yet um it's Wow. The whole idea of how did I learn it to not get myself into trouble? I think it became an issue of rather than because I was I was growing up I the way I grew up, it was really without the ability to say no to things. So when I I wasn't allowed to say no, I wasn't allowed to decline. Everything was a demand, it wasn't a request. And I'm an only child. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. And so my coping mechanism to that was to learn how to negotiate and to try to stay ahead of what the demands were going to be. So um, I also grew up very independent and with a very long leash on what I was allowed to do. So there was a lot of demand, but there was also a lot of, I don't think, not intentional neglect, but just kind of, oh, she's fine. And, oh, she's mature for her age. Oh, she's, you know, precocious. Oh, she's fine. And so from the age of about four years old, I was answering phones for my parents' business. I was going to trade shows. I was going to home shows. I was allowed to run around free at state and county carnivals by myself, which thankfully, because I had learned to be, here's the the opposite side of hypervigilance. I had learned to be hypervigilant to protect myself. But then I used that hypervigilance when I was out in public to protect myself. So even though I was out and, you know, running wild in the late 70s and 80s, um, I didn't have bad experiences from doing that because I knew how to read people and I knew how to read a room. And those skills, even though they may have started out of self-protection, have become an enormous asset. So there is gold when we mine for it once we can separate it from the context from which it was originally created. How insightful of you. (laughs) You I know hindsight's great for all of us, but actually realizing that there was a gift in it. And, you know, I'm always advocating for people to, yeah, I don't want to, for one minute, take away from what you didn't get 
that you should have gotten to be healthy and happy and well-developed and welcomed into the world and not neglected and all of the things that have happened to us. But there is that other side, Tina, that I think we, we do well to recognize is, okay, but what did this actually give me? It gave me, like you said, the opportunity to be able to read a crowd, to know when I'm safe, to have high radar for what's going on. And that put me in great stead, as you're saying, and I'm putting words in your mouth, to be mm. able to to know where are my advantages, where are my opportunities, where are the things to stay away from. We even learn to calibrate the sound of a person's voice, don't we? We do. We actually do. Uh, body language, facial expression. Um, we're very attuned to voice in a crowd because our listening is diffused when we're in a crowd that something different will stand out. It's why you can hear your name in a crowded room. So we have this kind of hubbub underneath in this in a in a crowded room, but then when you hear something that's an outlier sound, you tend to be more attuned to it. It's an it's a neurological adaptation that we have as human beings from learning how to survive. And so when you can learn how to listen to individuals or to a crowd in such a way that is not triggering a fear response in you, but is actually allowing you the benefit of kind of helping you navigate a crowd or navigate a room. It could be uh, a tremendous gift when you are learning, when you're creating connections or learning how to become part of an organization or a group or, or even networking at a business level. Mm -hmm. And there's another skill that's involved in that, and that's giving yourself permission to believe what it is you're picking up. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, because you may think, oh, I'm just weird. I think that person is a person to stay away from. You know, you and I were at an event recently, and apparently you've been at an event with this person before because we were chatting before the call. I got a really negative vibe from this person, and I said so. Like, do no, do not do that. That person is a hijackle. They've told us they're a hijackle. They've told us how they're going to use us, and they're going to use us again. And yet other people, as I just gingerly ask questions, oh, no, this is wonderful. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and that's, the, uh, that's my willingness to believe what I get from what I hear. How did you develop that? A couple of different uh, methods of that. So before I became an entrepreneur and it kind of went back into the world, I resisted being an entrepreneur for a long time because I grew up as one and because I didn't associate it with really being a positive experience. I was a therapist and I worked with young people. I worked with teenagers. I worked with international populations. And a lot of what I do now, the seeds of that were born back then. And, and helping people take a good idea and bring it into reality. That's kind of the whole process, whether regardless of age or situation. And for myself, kind of going back into time around that, um, because I grew up in these situations where I was listening to sales a lot, I was watching group dynamics a lot, the, the conversation around the table was never about me. It was always about my parents' work day and their employees and the sales they had made and all of that. And, and most of my father you know, being very domineering in that arena. So it wasn't about me. I was all just basically observing what was what was happening and observing those situations. And we were never just our family in our house. 
our home actually had our business inside of it. So I was constantly surrounded by strangers, by employees, by customers, by vendors, all of that. So I really had to learn how to read people. And actually the earliest recollection I have of that was when I was three years old and I had to confirm this with my mother that this actually happened because it was such a young memory. But I remember a man being in our kitchen talking with my mom and I had a horrible vibe off of him. And I was distracting my mom by basically be doing what I never did, which is by being a clingy three-year-old. I was usually like, oh, mom's talking. I'm cool. I'm going to go entertain myself. And for some reason, I felt really compelled to not leave her alone. Mm. And I found out later that this guy was making advances on her and she felt really unsafe. And somehow, even at the age of three, I was picking up on that. So that was a powerful memory to retrieve and to own even at this stage in my life, you know, many decades later, to say, you know what, I had good instincts, even at that age. And I can honor that now, even though at the time, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. I was an only child too, Tina, I get it. You got two people's expectations. In my case, one of them wanted me, the other one didn't. Uh, <laughs> strange things. So we're learning a whole lot in those years before our brain really had all its functionality. And we're running on that vibe that you were talking about. So listeners know that what you are picking up is accurate for you. And now we want to learn how to give that a voice. And we're going to talk in the second part with our guest, Tina Dietz, my guest, your guest. We have the opportunity of listening to Tina Dietz. That's spelled D-I-E-T-Z. If you're in Canada, T-I-E-T-Z. If you're in the United States, and good luck to the rest of you. I don't know how you say that. So... <laughs> But if you want to find more about Tina now, this is a long URL. So listen to this. It is start something creative biz, B-I-Z or Z, solutions.com. I can give you a shorter one. Okay. What's the shorter one? Yeah. It, you guys will like this one. It's startsomethingpositive.com. Okay. I'm all for that. So we're going to talk with Tina more after the break. Remember, startsomethingpositive.com. You can find Tina. I've used her services. She is a wise woman. If We're going to talk about her business a little bit after the break. So I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. You're listening to the Relationship Help Show. If you want my help, you go to forrelationshiphelp.com or my YouTube channel, For Relationship Help. We'll be back for part two with Tina Dietz. Stay tuned. Welcome back. This is part two with my guest, Tina Dietz. We're having a great conversation. And you know what's making it great for me, Tina, is the fact that you have had a background that had a little bit of the hijackal nature in it, <laughs> the one that I talk about so much, and that you had to figure all these things out like every single one of us does and to know what to do with it when we grow up. And you have done that and you have made a huge success about this. So if you want to learn more about Tina, go to startsomethingpositive.com. And that's the short version of her longer one, startsomethingcreativebizsolutions.com. Just so that you know what she does, it's creative business solutions. And she's particularly an expert at audio, all things audio, podcasts, audible, aud um, audiobooks, all that kind of thing. So, Tina, let's talk a little more. We just finished part one. We were talking about 
how you learn to a calibrate what's going on through your senses at a very young age when you're in a difficult home situation and then I brought up the topic that then we have to trust that the information that we got, we will act on it and believe it because we have to give ourselves permission to do that. And so moving on from there, then what allowed you to say, all right, all of this is true. I found my voice. Now, how do I help other people find their voices? And you gave us a little clue in that you used to be um, a therapist, so you probably had a leg up there. So tell us about that journey for you. Well, you know, it's never a matter of a straight line, that's for sure. And so when I came out, I, I wanted to be a therapist. I wanted to work in the schools. I wanted to work with teenagers. What I found is that I basically had too big of a mouth to work in the school system. <laughs> and uh, it's always, it's always almost always easier to speak up for somebody else than it is to speak up for yourself. So when I started my career, I was really good at helping other people find their voice, set their boundaries. I still absolutely sucked at setting my own boundaries. And at the same time, I was looking to, I was finding out that I had this entrepreneurial mindset that wasn't common. I had grown up with it and it was water to the fish for me. I didn't even understand coming from the small town I did that the way I thought was going to be different from, from other people. I thought everybody wanted to get stuff done and leave the world a better place than when they found it. Who knew, right? And so I quickly uh, moved I was spending a lot of time uh, and investment in personal development because I had had the gift of my, my mother going on her own healing journey when I started when I was about 10 years old. So that really normalized it for me. I had that as a role model um, so that it was okay for me to start seeking out my own healing at a young age. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Yes. So as I was doing that own work, uh, as I was being a therapist myself and helping young people, it became a matter then of starting a not-for-profit for teenagers. And then I moved into the university system, and I was both teaching and working in administration, helping to develop programs to help people find their path. It's always been about connection. It's always been about helping people take their ideas and take their purpose and bring it into reality. And then uh, I ended up with uh, my father, which was a, a very educational experience, having a family business, uh, an international training company. And my father is a brilliant entrepreneur. He's an idea man. He feels things deeply and he's got his own things that he has to deal with um, around narcissism and, and misogyny. and he's been my biggest lesson in learning how to set boundaries and also in learning how to love someone and not have to have them in your life 24 seven at the same time, uh, which has been <laughs> one of the most difficult things I've ever learned. But uh, in that process of developing that family company, that's where I really learned online business and I learned product development and I, took my networking skills to the next level. And from there, I stepped off into a business coaching program, uh, coaching practice, I should say, and took that from local to international. The deep specialty in audiobooks and audio marketing came through a series of events. I've always loved microphones. I've always loved books. They're some of my earliest childhood friends. I even have a recording from when I was just shy of two years old, the first time somebody handed me a tape recorder. And uh, the first thing I started to do was walk around interviewing people. What's your name? My name's Tina. 
I do like Easter, you know, and this is like little tiny Donahue, if I'm dating myself there. But um, that became something that I did my entire time growing up. But it became, it wasn't, it wasn't until my 30s that I realized how ingrained and how much skill I had in that area. And I started teaching it to other people. Um, I developed my own podcast that went nuts. Uh, I started launching podcasts for other people. And then as I was taking some master classes in audiobook narration as a hobby, something fun to do for myself, that I realized that so many of the business people I was already working with as a business coach, my colleagues, my clients, were developing their books, were self-publishing their books, and no one was turning them into audiobooks. And I knew how to do that. So I started asking questions. And asking questions is something that I always recommend to people to start when you're looking to unleash your voice because asking a question isn't necessarily about you. It's about the other person. Let me just ask a question about that. Yeah. <laughs> because we have to be careful how we ask questions. And I think we, you know, we need to have a little talk about that, Tina, because I love that. Yes, ask questions. Big blanket statement. But when we've had a background, I Unfortunately, I picked up on your words, misogyny and narcissism, when we've had that in our background. Um, we know it's not always safe to ask a question. So we have to begin by almost benign questions that demonstrate interest in the person, right? Sure. That's a perfectly good place to start. It's the get-to-know-you phase. Yeah, exactly. And and when I'm working with my clients, the people who are dealing with difficult people in their lives, the toxic people I call hijackals, often we have to learn how to ask a question that says, you know, tell me more about that to demonstrate interest as opposed to a question that pins somebody to the wall like, why did you do that? Or why are you always like that? Because that's where we begin to completely destroy the opportunity for further communication. We're going to push somebody into a situation that's going to cause them to have their back to the wall and get angry. So what did you learn about asking these questions that allowed you to have access, deeper access to people? Well, in the questions that I was asking, because I'm asking it from a, a perspective of being interested on a professional level, sometimes it's easier to ask those kinds of questions than asking questions of someone you're deeply in relationship with. One of the things I found over the years with my clients is that the skills that they learn out in the business world, they take back into their personal life and use it as an access point to, to help them feel more comfortable in those personal relationships. It's just kind of a natural carryover from, from one to the other uh, because business can be a little less personal, obviously. Um, so what I learned from, from folks in, in terms of asking them questions, the more I could get into their world, which wasn't particularly difficult from coming from a background as a people pleaser. <laughs> um, so another advantage there. Um, I was able to kind of get to know what their interests were, where they, you know, and I was already a coach too and a therapist. So getting to know people and getting to know what their needs were allowed me to you know, to kind of determine what the best pathway forward was for offering audio services. And that actually snowballed, and it's now the largest part of, of my company, particularly the audiobook side of things. So, we, such a high demand. 
so we just learned how you can take this supposed not gift that you were given, turn it into gold and have an incredible career like Tina does. But I want to go back just a minute here <laughs> to use your, your um, training as a therapist and all that we share um, and say, okay, if there's a person listening right now who feels that they'd really like to speak up, but at the moment they're afraid to speak up and even tell the truth about themselves. What would you say is a good way to start? You always have to start where you feel safe. So if there's areas in your life you feel safe talking about, um, and I'll give you an example of a, a colleague of mine who I was actually having a conversation very much like this. She's a brilliant human being. She's actually quite successful career-wise. And now she's looking to get out her voice out into the world more. And what she's been really scared to do is to express her personal opinions about things. Because she has some very strong opinions, but she is afraid of the backlash, particularly on social media or in public. So what we started talking about is to take those areas of interest that she has where she feels safe. And I'll give you an example. Her cat. Okay, we're going to take it back to cat because cats and the internet always go together. <laughs> so we, we started with something as simple as her on her Facebook feed starting to talk about her cat and then lead that back into something that had more of an opinion. So um, just to engage the people that she was with, get them used to, get her used to engaging in conversation that was not about business, that was actually about something personal. So we went from this is my cat. They always sit. They always sit on my lap when I'm trying to write something important. Do you have the same experience? People post their cat pictures. Lovely conversation. Then the next thing was a little deeper. It's like I rescued my cat. I have some really strong feelings about people and their animals. Do you have a rescue? And it was now that's a stronger opinion. We kind of led it into there, and and it kind of starts to spiral from there. And the practice though for her was to notice when she was posting these things, where the sensations were coming up in her body. And I would have her actually note where she felt strong and where she felt vulnerable in her body and just breathe through that experience. Breathe through it and allow it that sensation in the body to move through rather than block it. Move through and allow it to dissipate because that's a lot of times where we start to spiral into a major physical reaction or a mental, emotional, physical reaction altogether because we, we stop it rather than allowing it to move through our bodies and allowing ourselves to ex expand our capacity for sensation or for tolerating big emotional feelings. Mm -hmm. And that it's, so there's, there's a whole, the whole thing in there we could, we could continue on a, a rabbit hole about, but sometimes it's just as simple as starting where you feel the safest. Yes. And you know, what we're really talking about is that great big ball of string and finding the end that can actually lead you to unravel greater, greater things. And, and that's what I invite my clients to do too, is talk about something. And, you know, in, in my book, Kaizen for Couples, I talk about my personal weather report. And what that does is it allows a person to, to, absolutely believe that they deserve to take up space and draw breath and they have the absolute right to be assertive and assertiveness in my books is this that you have the right to say what you think feel need or want as long as you never include the name of or the word you in the conversation <laughs> so you are giving a 
personal weather report. The weather inside me is this. It has nothing to do with you. The weather inside me is this. And to get very, very good at doing that. And when we get good at doing that, then we become more and more self-aware. We're only speaking about ourselves. It's less offensive to other people to hear. And it allows us to have a way in to talk to somebody that we're concerned we're going to have difficulty with. So I think we're talking about about the same kind of entry point. And then you made this into a career. So I know that you work with a lot of leaders. And one of the things that you often say is visibility equals vulnerability. That's very interesting. Love the alliteration. But what are you really talking about? Uh, it's very, it, it's building on exactly what I was just talking about a few minutes ago, where people who are already out there and you think, oh, well, their voice is already out in the world and they're already a leader. What, what we don't sometimes see that I have the honor and privilege of seeing is these folks who are already leaders, when they go to step out into an even, even bigger stage because they feel called to do so. Most folks who are leaders don't, it's not an ego-driven situation most of the time, at least not the folks I work with. It is really a desire to touch more people, to serve, to make a difference, to leave a legacy. And so that pull is very strong. And at the same time, the more, the more people you touch, the bigger platform you have, the more you leave yourself feeling vulnerable or even exposed to criticism, to feedback, to backlash, all of those types of things. So sometimes stepping out into, almost all the time, stepping out into a new level of leadership, regardless of where you're at in your life, involves that kind of vulnerability and, and needing to work through that. So it doesn't change as you you know, there's no difference between somebody starting on their journey and somebody who has been doing this for many years. It's really just a matter of building that capacity. It's, it's a fully human experience to, to have this. And it's, it's never going to go away, but it changes. I and mean, you become more comfortable with being uncomfortable inside of that process. That's something I've written about a lot, being comfortably uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> we, know that's, we know that sensation. Well, that was our whole early life. So, yes, we're, we're good with that. It's all we knew. So we were comfortable, but we were uncomfortable with it because we didn't like the way it felt. And so once we recognize that we're comfortably uncomfortable, great starting point to jump out. We could talk for forever because we have such shared background, not only from our childhood, but from the therapeutic point of view, and then moving on to share our gifts in other ways. I want people to know they can find you. Startsomethingpositive.com. Don't you love that? Startsomethingpositive.com, and you'll find Tina Dietz because she started something positive. So that's great. And work with her. I've worked with her. I've learned so much from her in the two years that we've known each other. I intend to learn a lot more. So be sure you join me there. Thank you so much for being with me, Tina. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's so nice to be able to talk about these things and let people know, hey, you know, you can continue on this journey and, and healing is available. It certainly is. So remember, start somethingpositive.com to talk to Tina. And let's stay in touch. Get my Tips for Relationships newsletter. Get on the list. Go to forrelationshiphelp.com slash subscribe.
And let's stay in touch because you'll always want to know what's coming up on the show and who's new and wonderful. And I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. Find me at forrelationshiphelp.com and on YouTube at forrelationshiphelp. And listen to my other guests. They all have gold for you. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.